This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us part of your day. I want to say thanks to our title sponsor, Big O Tires. Winter Tires starting at only $49.95, only at Big O Tires. With no credit needed, financing available, Big O Tires, the team you trust. Gordon, we're going to talk to Josh Newman coming up here momentarily. Covers the Utes for your Salt Lake Tribune. We'll get his thoughts on uh, Utah going into Arizona and how they're looking uh, um going into the Wildcats. Although, I, I got to imagine it's tough to be a beat writer and not see any of practice in fall camp. That can't be easy. No, it's not easy at all. And it's been really strange in that regard. Not that uh, not that members of the media are generally on, in any year invited in to watch entire practices. But it used to be that you could uh, walk in and, and see at least some of it. Usually it was very vanilla. But uh, well, at least yeah, you got to talk to people, time. though. And, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I would imagine and we'll we'll ask uh, Josh about this. But being a beat guy where it's your job to basically drum up a story every day or every other day and you're not there, you know, mingling in and out and talking to who you want to talk to. It's got to be make it a little more challenging. In fact, let's get out to the uh, the zone phone. Joining us now, our friend Josh Newman from the Salt Lake Tribune. First and foremost, Josh, thanks for jumping on with us. How are you? I'm doing well, and I appreciate you guys having me on again. Hey, yeah, how- hey, listen, uh, Jake, uh, Josh isn't drumming up uh, just whatever he can. He's <laughs> he's he's giving uh, lyrical prose to uh, his readers. I, I apologize. I didn't mean yeah. to be disrespectful. I was more just yeah. saying it's got to well, be hard, we're right? We're somewhere in the middle there. We're somewhere <laughs> in the middle between just drumming it up and lyrical prose. You know, we'll cut that down the middle. But no how, how hard is it to find a story every day uh, going on a, a camp that you can't really be at? And I know the, the Zoom press conference thing is, is you know, it's, it's better than nothing, but it's also not you there talking to people at practice. It's got to be challenging. No, it's not easy. Um, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say it's been easy. Uh, it I will say it it hasn't been as bad as I had imagined. Uh, look, we're not getting to watch any type of practice, not even stretching, warm ups, nothing. Uh, as you said, we're not getting to you know mingle post practice and talk to this guy off to the side and that guy off to the side. You know, it's really been you know it's been Kyle Whittingham and a handful of players every day, but. Look, we make the most of what we have, and you know there have been some big storylines, right? The quarterback, the running back, um, nine defensive starters that they're trying to replace. Uh, so there's been plenty to write about, plenty to keep ourselves busy. Uh, not ideal, but I, you know, I, I feel like we've all made it work, and you know, gladly here. You know, we're inside two days until a game, and we are at the finish line here before we actually get to see some games. Josh, I'm sure that you have a thousand sources that are whispering in your ear about who the starter is going to be. Now, whether they've told you that on or off the record, I don't know. But what's your what's your best guess? Yeah, so I used part of my newsletter today. Uh, I think it's Cameron Rising. Um, I'm like 60-40 that it's Cameron Rising. Again, we haven't seen practice, so you kind of have to take what your sources tell you and take what Kyle Whittingham says on these Zoom calls and, and try to read between the lines. Uh, two things stick out to me about Rising. 
Uh, one, he has spent more time in Andy Ludwig's system. Remember, Rising got here last year, had to redshirt, uh, worked you know with the scout team, spent game days in the press box next to Ludwig, learning how he operates, learning the offense. So that's so that's one thing that he had over Bentley. Uh, number two, you know Kyle Whittingham has kind of harped here throughout fall camp about you know accuracy. That's the most important thing. They're charting every pass. They're really paying attention to, you know, to the accuracy of all these quarterback candidates. And Kyle, you know, not too long ago, really kind of made it a point to, to say that Rising's accuracy has really, you know, really taken a, a pretty significant step forward, especially in the last month. So, you know, again, not any type of exact science that I'm putting out there. I'm, I could absolutely be wrong as we sit here on Thursday I'm at I'm at like sixty forty that it's rising over Jake Bentley. There- I did hear I did hear Kyle say that accuracy word when he was asked about it, and it made me wonder, Josh. I was almost going to call you in that moment and say, "All right, which one of these guys is most accurate?" Yeah, no. So you know, you heard it, I heard it. Uh, I think another thing that that works in in Rising's favor is that he's a little more mobile. Uh, the pocket breaks down. He is able to, you know, tuck it and run a little more effectively than Bentley, who is more of your, you know, traditional pocket passer, is going to hang in there a little longer um, than Rising will. So, look, we'll see. I can, you know, I can come up with any number of factors and I can talk to any source, but, you know, we're going to find out one way or the other on Saturday. And I, I am, again, thankful that we have some games coming and that we actually have something real and, and tangible to watch and write about now. Josh, were you expecting the Kyle Whittingham extension and what were your thoughts on that? The Whittingham extension kind of came out of left field. It seemed like uh, they agreed to that contract on uh, October 27th, I was told. They you know they got all the parameters in place and, and got all, all the wording and the language and you know they got it done. It did come as a bit of a surprise, but now you know, with 24 hours of hindsight, I, I've kind of come to the conclusion that uh, it, it's a good idea. You know, they had him locked up until 2023. Uh, this new contract, this amendment, um, locks him up until 2027. And that just, you know, adds, you know, in a crazy time right now with COVID and nothing is certain and there's so many questions, they have locked up their head coach and there's going to be continuity at the head coaching position for close to another decade and especially in college athletics that's very important for so many reasons chief among them you know you know the recruiting aspect of things uh kyle whittingham and the rest of his coaching staff can you know talk to these recruits and they can you know they can guarantee that this guy is going to be the guy in the head seat for a very long time um you know, the deal is interesting for, for a few reasons. You know, they kind of moved some money around and there's some new salary escalators. Uh, the total value of, of the contract is at least 44 or $45 million over eight years, which is a massive amount of money. And whenever he does decide to retire, whether it be, you know, in four years or at the end of the contract in eight years, he is going to then walk into a special assistant role to the athletic director, whether that's Mark Harlan or somebody else. And so bottom line, whether he's coaching or not, Kyle Whittingham is going to be around Utah for a very long time, potentially all the way into like 2032 or 2033. So in other words, it gives the impression of stability, but it also there is the possibility that he could 
follow up on what he has said in the past, Josh, that he doesn't want to coach into older ages. Uh, he's got some life to live, and so he could bail on the contract if he so desired without a penalty, right? Yes, that is correct. And, you know, as you just said, he spoke to, uh, you know, he, he, he spoke last year on this topic, and he, he said he's on the record as saying he, he doesn't see himself coaching past the age of 65. Uh, he turned 61 later this month. So, yeah, three, four years down the road, maybe he decides, you know, that he wants to hang it up. And it's, at that point, he, he steps into this kind of retirement parachute in a special role. Um, and we get to decide who, who gets to follow in his footsteps, which, you know, whenever he does decide to leave, it's going to be some very large shoes to fill. Josh, you covered sports uh, in a different part of the country for a long time and uh, came out here to to cover the Utes. I'm curious, what were your, um, uh, I guess, what were your impressions of Kyle Whittingham before you came here, uh, juxtaposed to your impressions of Kyle Whittingham since you've been covering the team? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I've been asked that a lot lately. Um, be, being on the East Coast, you don't really, um, unless you're a super true diehard, living in that part of the country, you really don't pay very close attention to the Pac-12. You're not watching a ton of Pac-12. And part of that is, look, if you're on the East Coast, these games are starting, kicking off at 10.30 at night, 11 o'clock at night. So you're really not, you're really not super engaged. Um, in terms of Utah, in, in, in terms of Kyle Whittingham, sure, I was aware and I knew that he'd had a lot of success here. I knew that Utah had been pretty good. But me on the East Coast, you're looking at the Pac-12, you're thinking USC, which is the biggest brand. Um, Oregon, also a big brand. Uh, Washington under Chris Peterson, you know, they went to a playoff. They were a threat to go to the Rose Bowl every year. So those three schools were kind of the extent of, of the Pac-12 for me. You know, come out here, uh, start covering the program. Uh, I've gained a, uh, certainly a better understanding of the league and of Kyle's program and the dynamics in, in the Pac-12 footprint. And, yeah, I, I think the perception, you know, my perception was limited. My perception has grown. Um, you know, I, I, I think they've done some great things the last couple of years, getting to the Pac-12 title game a couple times. Uh, obviously, they, you know, they got to the doorstep of the college football playoff last year. Um, so, you know, my perception and just from people I've talked to, again, back east, various parts of the country, people I have relationships with, I think all told, I think the perception of Kyle and the perception of Utah football is growing and it can still get better uh, if they continue to contend for Pac-12 titles. Jake, I don't know if you know this, but this is the backstory on Josh's hiring. Uh, Joe Baird, the sports editor of the Tribune, was looking. He canvassed all the best writers in the country and was looking for someone who 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 consumes and spits fuel and fire and he found he found Josh and said this is my guy that's how, that, that's how that happened you know a literal yeah, that's how, spits yeah, fire that's how that played out we're going to go with that <laughs> Josh sure. so what do you think of uh Utah's policy of not uh revealing uh covid-19 cases as far as uh, uh that goes uh i don't agree with it um, not just Utah, but you know, there's a there's a pretty significant number of uh, of Power Five programs across the country who are who are opting to go down this road of of not divulging when there's a positive test, at least not divulging it to the general public. Um, Mark Harlan, you know, the AD at Utah, has defended that stance. <clears throat> um, 
for many months now. He's taken on the weight of it. He's been asked questions about it. He has no problem, you know, taking the weight of that. Now, just to be clear, Utah is obligated, if there's a positive test, to report it to, excuse me, the state and the local health authorities. They've been doing what they are expected to do. They are doing this in a safe manner, reporting it to the state and the county and the city and everybody who needs to know. Um, you know, this is the only thing that it really throughout the whole COVID situation, dating back to March, this is really the only thing that I, I've kind of hammered Utah on, hammered Harlan on. Other than this, I, I really do believe that they've done a, a very effective job of, of dealing with the pandemic and keeping the kids safe. Do I agree with this? No. Do I understand it? Yes. You know, Harlan does not want his football players to be singled out. And if you're singled out for a, you know, for a positive test, you become a pariah and people like me start asking more questions. So uh, I don't agree with it, but I do understand it. So I'll leave it at that. So, Jake, if I followed up on that, in the case of what's going on with Washington and Cal, if there were some cases, it would just, if it were a certain number, then they would essentially cancel the game, but not give any details about what happened. That is my understanding. Um, you know, it's pretty clear in the Pac-12 guidelines that, you know, there has to be a, you know, a roster threshold that, you know, that's met. Certain numbers within certain position groups have to be up to snuff. You know, one quarterback, seven offensive linemen, seven defensive linemen, etc. So, to your point, yes, if a if a Utah game were to be canceled, uh, the league would give us a reason. That's absolutely true. The league would give us a reason, but I find it very hard to believe, based on what's gone on, that we would be getting any particulars in terms of okay. This is how many Utah players tested positive. This is what position groups, et cetera. I don't think I don't think anyone here is going to be that transparent if a game were to be canceled. Josh, uh, what uh, I guess what are questions are you looking forward to being answered on the field on Saturday? Outside of who's going to play quarterback, of course. What are you looking forward to learning? Yeah, I think beyond the quarterback, I, I think the one thing that comes to mind is what does the secondary look like. Uh, once we're, you know, once the lights are on, and, and once we're playing games, um, the the secondary is just painfully young and inexperienced, uh, full of true freshmen, uh, zero career starts between all of these guys. So, um, as I've gotten out here and I've started covering the program and covering, you know, this coaching staff, the one thing that people tell me all the time is, uh, Utah plays defense. Don't worry about the defense. So. I've kind of, you know, gone with that mantra. Okay, they're going to play defense. They're going to figure it out. This is a young, young group of, of secondary guys, so I'm very much looking forward to seeing uh, what they can do. And beyond the secondary, uh, I am curious how the running back thing kind of shakes out here early. Uh, Kyle Whittingham has said that they're going to go by committee between four guys at least early, uh, Devin Brumfield, Jordan Willimore, um, Makai Bernard is a redshirt freshman, and Ty Jordan is a true freshman, kind of a multi-dimensional kid who, who can do a bunch of different things. He's going to play a role. So, you know, in the backfield, who gets the first carry? How do they divvy carries? How do they get these guys the ball? And can, you know, can a bell cow kind of emerge? You know, obviously Zach Moss did a lot of things here uh, throughout his career, especially last year. Uh, nobody's going to replace Zach Moss. 
but you know Kyle and Andy Ludwig seem to think that they can make it happen by committee here, at least in the early going. You talk, Josh, about that uh, young secondary, that Phillips kid. I mean, the highest recruit the Utes have ever gotten. Uh, seems to have a lot of talent. And by the way, the kid's impressive to listen to, very articulate. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree with mm-hmm. that, Josh? Uh, what are we going to see with him? Is he is he what he his reputation brings him to be? You know, you're led to believe on paper and just, you know, you said it well. The kid is very well put together. He's very impressive to talk to. His body language you know, to me, that counts. His body language, you know, when we were face-to-face in March, pre-pandemic was good. And every everything, you know, is leading you to believe that this kid is is going to be the real deal. But, look, he's a freshman. He's 18 years old. It's his first college game. It's a, it's a bit of a question mark, uh, you know, how this kid comes out and plays. Um, I did think one of the interesting things during camp was, okay, this kid was a nickel in high school. He kind of projects as a nickel in college. So when camp starts, you know, they start him at the nickel and then they moved him to outside corner and they've kind of focused him at outside corner. Uh, the nickel position within Morgan Scally's defense is a little difficult to learn. You know, you're asking your nickel to take on a lot of responsibilities, both physically and mentally. So if you want to get Phillips on the field right away, you know, the path of the path of least resistance there was to get him at outside corner and let one of the older guys take the nickel. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, within the secondary, I, I'm very, very intrigued to, to finally to finally see Clark Phillips play. Josh, thank you very much for jumping on with us. We appreciate it. Keep up the good work and enjoy the game Saturday. Stay safe, guys. Thanks, buddy. It's our friend Josh Newman from the Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Gordon, don't look now. Utah State's got a lead. You ready for this? Brace yourself. 2-0. Oh, early a safety, huh? The, the Aggies strike first with a safety. Well, well, that's something a little different. All right. Well, you know, if your offense can't move the football a lick. That's one way to avoid a shutout. <laughs> yeah, right. The offense uh, is struggling. Are we, are we being too harsh on the No. Aggies? They haven't looked good their first couple of games. Yeah, maybe right. maybe they'll, they'll come out and look like a different team tonight. We'll see. Uh, what's the over or under on uh, completed passes? I have no clue. Two. <laughs> Two. Two. <laughs> this is the big show, 97.5 and 1280, the zone.